Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. It's Bob Stoffer joining you, 105 in Edmonton, in Rogers Place at Ice District tomorrow. Uh, 2 o'clock puck drop, the Edmonton Oilers and the St. Louis Blues. Second hour of Oilers now brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. We're heading straight off to the River Cree Resort Casino hotline, the River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement, bet on it. Our Oilers now headliner today is brought to you by Will Hawk Beef Jerky. Some say it just might be the best you've ever tasted. I'm not saying it is. It is. Everybody knows it is. Three locations in Edmonton to serve you. Will Hawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. That's uh, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. All right, without further ado, pleased to be joined on the line by a longtime NHL executive. Uh, he was uh, general manager in Dallas for a number of years and for the last decade plus, the GM of the St. Louis Blues, culminating with the Stanley Cup Championship in 2018-19. We welcome back to our show, Doug Armstrong. Doug, how are you doing? I'm very good, Bob. How are you today? Great. It was great seeing you last night. Uh, you broke every pro scouting rule that I that I know because you, you stayed right to the end of the game. You didn't race out at uh, the 10-minute uh, commercial stop set to uh, beat the rush out of the building. So uh, all in last night here in town. Uh, entertaining hockey game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a great game. Uh, it was uh, the chance to see Carolina uh, live on Monday in Seattle and uh, really impressed with what uh, what they have going there. They got uh, a real good team, and I thought the Oilers were outstanding last night. Connor put on a show like normal, and uh, it, it was uh, it was fun. I don't know anyone would want to leave that game early. Well, are we seeing, I mean, you were part of those Dallas teams that could grind it out. Uh, you could also <laughs> score, uh, but are we seeing it? it you know, and, and you had a big, physical, tough team uh, when you guys beat the Bruins in the final in 2019. But offense is up in the league. I think that's a fair assessment. Why do you think that's the case? I'd say, you know, not being tongue-in-cheek, but probably goaltending down a bit, too. Uh, when you when you look at the NHL, probably in the 80, or the 90s and 2000s, you had probably six or seven goalies that you could count on. We're going to going to play 60-plus games and get, get around 40 wins and 35 to 40 wins, and it seems to be more fluctuating now, so I think that the, the goaltending isn't to the level it was uh, when you had Broder and Hasek and Waugh and Belfour, and the, you know, there's probably three or four more, four more guys on that list, and also I think the game is just faster, quicker, there's a uh, you know, the shooter, shooters are a little bit better, too. So I think it's a combination of both things. And um, it's a faster game, too, and uh, more chaos. Uh, the team that I think caused a lot of chaos was that team we saw last night in Carolina. They found a lot of pucks towards the net and get a lot of scrambles. And uh, so I just think scoring is going to be up uh, moving forward. Well, uh, the Oilers and the Blues both won 49 games last year. Uh, you know, you guys ended up in a situation where, you know, we, we kind of know a bit about Tarasenko and Buchnevich, and, you know, you had three of your Russians had big years. But the emergence of a couple guys out of the OHL, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, it just, I don't know, Doug, if it's me, but it seems today's players are, are either more willing to try things on the ice. Uh, I do think they're better skilled. I'm not saying they're tougher, but I, I do think they're better skilled. And, and as a result, they bring something different into the game. And you got two young, exciting stars that you got signed long-term. They're going to be a huge part of your future, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And I, I think that this uh, the skill level is higher. I think the ability for coaches now to allow players to express themselves is, is greater. I think less 
clutching and grabbing, less physical play allows them to feel a little bit safer, maybe cutting through the middle where you wouldn't want to do that maybe with Scott Stevens out there or, or Dave Manson uh, that the other fans know real well. Like, uh, I think it's a little safer to play right now, and I think the skill level is way up. Um, I was talking to our coaches today about uh, watching Connor last night and growing up, and I'm 58, so in the Gretzky era, I didn't realize how special he was because I didn't have a lot to to balance that against being, uh, you know, in in my 20s. But after 30 years in the league and watching Connor last night, some of his skating ability, his pivoting ability to turn on a dime, like that—that's generational stuff. And I really appreciate what he can do. And I think when younger players watch Connor and see it's possible that they try different things. Uh, You still need the spine to be successful in hockey, right? You talk about a goaltending. Obviously, defense, specifically top four, and then strength down the middle at center. You guys have that. You know, you've got Chen, based on practice today, centering your you know, your third line. You've got O'Reilly and Thomas. It still is the template, isn't it, at the end of the day? you gotta, you know, you got to have at least a serviceable goalie. you got to have good defensemen. Maybe the defensemen need to be able to move the puck a little bit better. And then you got to have strength at center. Yeah, well, I think if we start with the goaltending, that's self-explanatory. You you need to have good goaltending to have success. Uh, uh, the defense, I, I think you make a good point there. I think you used to probably go with four defenders and then two puck movers. Now it's probably uh, the exact opposite. You go with four puck movers and two defenders. Obviously, they'd have to play two-way, but you have to be able to move the puck. Today's players want the puck on, on the move. And I think strength on the middle of the ice because they, they play big minutes. They, they're... they're tasked with playing both in the offensive zone and defensive zone and I think strength down the middle is very important and uh, you know winger wingers have an effect on the game but uh, certainly the sentiment have the greatest effect on the game longtime NHL executive St. Louis general manager Doug Armstrong joining us in orders now Bob Stoffer with you in a uh, somewhat frigid uh, <laughs> eight floor location at uh, the ice is going to be good we know that uh, hey I gotta like I joked around when Craig McTavish took the job of the Blues. Some guys will do anything not to work with me on the Sportsnet panel because we did the majority <laughs> of them together. But you've actually got the last two Edmonton Oilers general managers. Pete Shirelli is a senior executive with you as well. Mac Teague comes aboard uh, in a coaching role to support Craig Berube. You, you know what? You can never have enough good people with experience, can you, Doug? No, we, we certainly believe in that. And, uh, you know, Peter... Uh, coming to our group, he Stanley Cup champion. He won a President's Trophy. Went to the finals. Um, you know, obviously his time in Edmonton was short. I thought he did some really good things here. You, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for the Drysdale contract. Uh, uh, one, if you know, one of the top three players in the world right now and under contract for some term. And um, but you know, there was a change made, and we were able to bring him into our group. He. I think it's always nice, uh, Bob, uh, for me to have someone that when you're, when the you know what hits the fan, you yep. can talk to somebody that's been there, done that, and I and I really wanted to. I thought it was important to have that for Craig Ruby too. You know, Mac T not before managing was a head coach, and so no matter what. Craig is going through. Mac T can look him in the eye and say, "I know what you're going through. I've been there," and and uh, I think that's important. It's uh, you know, you you don't need you don't need that type of support when things are going bad. Uh, but you need to, or I'm sorry, when things are going good, but when things are going bad, it's nice to have that. And having Ken Hitchcock uh, on our staff, able to talk to uh, 
uh, analyze the game and talk to Craig from a distance. And having Mac G there is really good. I, I can ask him certain things from a man's perspective, but I don't want to lose sight on why he's there. He's there to coach, and I, he's brought so much uh, enthusiasm and, and passion to our to our group. And we have you know young coaches in Steve Ott and Mike Van Ryan that, that aspire to be NHL head coaches. And what what a better person for him to learn than Mac T, who's as I said, been there, done that more than willing to share all his experiences. And I see the joy he gets in making those guys better and give them information. So it's been a, it's been a really great uh, addition to our staff. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm big on energy levels. So I'm going to transition that into the agency business. You know, you got Colton Pareko. He's represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson. I, I don't hear a lot of criticism from executives on or off the record about dealing with certain guys. And Jerry's one of those guys. And I'm just wondering – during the pandemic, did that change, you know, because there's a limited amount of cap space. A lot of teams are in LTIR. Uh, the cap did not go up. There, there, there's there's tough, hard negotiations. But did that change the approach, maybe, of some of the agents out there in the business at all? Uh, I, I think so. I, I think that, you know, managing a, a high-budget team pre-cap, uh, the Dallas Stars, uh, and being part of it, uh, you know, in the 90s watching Bob Ganey do it, it was a, you, you had to negotiate differently because you couldn't, it was basically, I'm not going to give you the owner's money. Now it's, we don't have, we don't have the cap space. So it's actually easier to be a manager now, I think, because it, you just say, this isn't a player evaluation situation, this is a math equation. And here's here's the math equation, and this is why we're where we're at. And so I find it a little bit easier to because you're you've cut through a lot of the uh, the the white noise. I find, but Jerry Jerry's a guy that we've worked well with uh, for a long time pre and and, and I'm sure post pandemic. Uh, and I just think everybody understands that if if you if you have a grade eight math uh, education, you can figure out the cap. Yeah, there you go. How uh, how heavily vested, uh, and not that you're going to give away the Cadbury secret, uh, how, how much reliant are you guys upon analytics? Uh, I would say we were one of the first teams to get into it years ago, and I think it has a great spot in our game. But we use it, we use it more, Bob, to... to it makes us ask different questions that maybe we might not have asked before, but we don't get a lot of final answers from it. Uh, we use it more to spur conversation, say, okay, what what does this really mean? And we're always testing our we our analytic group on what is a good analytic, what's a bad analytic. You know, you look at a team like we talked about, um, uh, the Carolina, you know, they're a big funnel team. So their, their coursey for, coursey against is going to be very high, which is, Shots on for shots on against, um, and then some teams like us. We, we're not we're not a high volume shot team, uh, but we're a high possession team. So you have to you have to put all those things into into the equation. But I think analytics are important. I don't think they're as important in other sports for the main reason that when you go to a, a football game or or a baseball game, every play lasts maybe three to five seconds. And then it's a total restart. In hockey, you can go five or six minutes, uh, and so it's very—it's much more difficult in basketball because of the size of the court. It's very small, so a lot of things are just done in in, in smaller areas. So I think there's there's room for analytics in hockey, uh, but I still think it it comes down to the eye test and 
quite honestly, hockey sense. Hockey sense itself uh, outweighs any analytics. Well, it's, you know what, I mean, and I find that if hockey sense also comes, you know, down to intelligence, and generally speaking, intelligent people can work their way around and through situations and and grow as a result. And We could be talking about personal relationships. We could talk about work relationships. And I think you can extend that metaphor. Uh, and I know that's going to bring me to a, a prospect that you have that's on the team uh, that was with the Edmonton Oil Kings last year. I like Jake Neighbors from the first time I saw him play. First of all, he's got guts. He was never a timid player, but he's a smart guy. I felt bad for him because he, he and you know Dylan Gunther missed the Memorial Cup. Jake was not right for the uh, Memorial Cup. He's made your team to start the uh, team, uh, team this year just like he did last year. Maybe just educate our listeners on, uh, on what the St. Louis Blues have in Jake Neighbors. Well, we have a, we have a player that I, I I don't know what his analytics look like in junior. I just know he's a hell of a hockey player. He makes people around him better. He competes. The other team doesn't want to play against him. He even even today in the NHL at 20 years old, you you just know that he has great hockey sense. He's easy to play with. Veteran players enjoy playing with him because they know he's going to be in the right spot. They know he's going to put the puck in the right area for them to get it back. They know that he's dependable. He's just he's got great hockey sense, and again, I, I think that's so important. And and more than that, he's a great guy. There's no question that I know him better now than I did uh, the day we drafted him. But it's very easy to see why he was the captain of the of his junior team. Uh, great leadership qualities, reserved, quiet, but respectful, and uh, uh, he he's been he's been very good for us. And it was I was talking to the manager of the Oil Kings this morning for about half an hour, and we were talking about the Memorial Cup, and I asked him, you know, what happened or how, how did it go? And he said they got a lot of scoring from their from their bottom part of their lineup. He said just the top guys were hurt or they were hurt. It was, it was injuries and. I could see that, and it's very difficult to win when your top players don't score. Uh, or aren't, you know, are injured or not even in the lineup, as, as happened to the Oil Kings last year. But um, back to Jake, I, I think he's a. I think he he might not play in uh, you know 15 All Star games, but he's going to be a team that everyone wants when when you get into April, May, and June. Reminds me of Dustin Brown. Uh, you know, that's that's. Kind of who I think Dustin Brown had a hell of a career. Yeah, you know, you know who I I, I work with that I thought he reminds me of is Brendan Morrow. There you go. You know, he just, you know, not maybe maybe the games evolved a little bit, Bob, where you don't have to fight as much, but he hits, he hits hard, he hits yeah. through people, and he's just an honest player. And that's probably the biggest compliment you can give somebody is call him an honest hockey player. Yeah, and one final one for you, and probably not the guy you thought we'd ask about, but uh, Jeff Jackson has Logan Brown, and he's been a you know guy, one of those St. Louis area kids. You guys took a, a swing on him. I know he had he's had uh, mitigated success, and Wayne Gretzky's a fan of his. Big rangy guy with some skill. Um, I was uh, I, I know you haven't played a lot of games, but uh, maybe just a thought. I'm not sure we're going to see him tomorrow, but just a thought on sort of how he has been since he's come to the Blues. Well, when we got him there, he needed a, He felt he needed a change, and I think uh, Ottawa felt he needed a change, and he came in and played very well for us, and then he's been hit with the injury bug. He got hurt in training camp. He's hurt right now. Just getting back on the ice, getting closer to playing. Um, probably a, a bigger, like as you said, he's a big, rangy guy that uh, he had to grow strength-wise into his body. The NHL is not a forgiving league. It's not a learning league. And for lank, lanky, big players, without strength, you can get pushed out of areas. 
he's been through the school of hard knocks. There's no question about it. As a, as a top pick, your your mindset would be, well, this you know I've been a top player all along, and it didn't happen for him quickly. And now he's at the point of his career where he needs to make it happen now. And he, I thought he did a really good job for us last year. And I was hoping that he was going to be a legitimate player in our top nine to start the season. Injuries took him out of that role, and now he has to get healthy and get back in there. But he's a player we're excited about because he has things you can't teach, which is which is obviously wingspan, and he's got a great stick, and he's got excellent puck skills for size, someone that size. I don't want to say he's going to be Tate Thompson, but that's another player that we had drafted. That it just takes a little bit of time for these bigger guys to get going, and uh, I we see I see some similarities in, in Brownie that, that Tage has, and you know we'd all you know not all of us. I know the guys in St. Louis would would love to see him score like Tage is scoring. The rest of the league probably doesn't want to see that, but I'm hoping that's what he can get to. Yeah, Thompson at 38 last year. One final one for you. You got to play some games, right? Like there's teams that have got the Kings have played six games already. You guys are at two games right now. Well, we thought we were actually in the college league this year. We oh, just okay. going to play like on weekends and okay. every every Friday. But <laughs> no, we're we're going to pay for it. We're going to pay for it. We we have we've only played two games. We're going to get in a little bit of a rhythm here, then take another break. But we have a a twelve day All Star break uh, this year. Just by the way, the schedule is so. When we start playing games, we're going to do a rhythm. Uh, there won't be a lot of practice time, uh, but we do have to get up and running here. I thought I saw it in our second game. Uh, the the rust or just the lack of play, playing teams that have played a lot of games were, were much more in tune with what's going on. Tomorrow will be our third game, but we'll get up to speed here pretty quick. And uh, I, I'm not sure the final date, April, whatever it is, but we'll have played 41 home and 41 on the road, barring another pandemic, which we, none of us want. And uh, we'll see where we sit then. Doug, greatly appreciative of the time. See you tomorrow at the, uh, here at Rogers Place. Bob, I always appreciate you having me on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You bet. There you go. That is Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the St. Louis Blues. It's 123 in Edmonton, yes. Not just Pete Shirelli and Craig McTavish in roles, Ken Hitchcock as well as sort of a coaching consultant advisor. Uh, Mac T, an assistant coach on the current staff. Pete Shirelli, basically uh, the the number two, I would assume, uh, to Doug Armstrong. Bill Armstrong, the general manager of Arizona, uh, worked in concert with Bill as well uh, and uh, with Doug as well. They're not related, uh, but uh, anyhow, a guy that is uh, worked where was going to be Canada's. Uh, for the 22 Olympics, had there been NHL players, he would have been the GM for that team as well. We'll take a quick timeout. It's 123 at Edmonton, and this is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer live at Rogers Place. Let's go to our game day lineup report for tomorrow's matinee against St. Louis. For our friends at McGuire Financial, have the right teammates on your side for your financial future. For a free financial consultation, visit mcguirefinancial.ca. Connor McDavid expected to play up front with Evander Kane and Kyler Yamamoto. McDavid on a four-game point streak, 10 points, five goals, and five assists in the first four games of the year. Leon Dreisettle at 56.7% of the face-off circle with RNH coming off a four-point performance and Zach Hyman. Ryan McLeod with Warren Fogle and Yessa Pugliarvi. Devin Shore and Derek Ryan uh, were the extras. They both had uh, key blocks in last night's game in the third period against Carolina. Darnell Nurse and Cody Ceci, Brett Kulak and Tyson Berry were the top two pairings. Uh, Nima Linen got filtered in, played a little bit more. Then he played in his first game. Uh, uh, Niemelainen and Murray on the left side with Evan Bouchard, who had a critical assist in last night's game on that shorthanded goal. Now, I don't know, uh, sorry, um, if... 
Uh, we've got a verification yet on who's going to start, if it's going to be Jack Campbell or uh, Stuart Skinner. Uh, Campbell, obviously, with the two victories so far this year, games that he battled back in. Quick text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Bob, hockey sense outweighs anything analytics can provide. Well said. Yeah, Doug Armstrong sort of really shed some interesting light, and I, I think it's 100% agree with him. If you got hockey sense, you can play. You can find a way to make it work, and... Um, that is sometimes something that can't always be picked up by analytics or an important thing. Don't get me wrong. Lots of teams do them. You heard Doug saying they were into it early. And again, you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 7804960063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. Doug Armstrong was our Oilers now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is the best you've ever tasted. Three locations in the Edmonton area. Search for Wilhock W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We will tell you, Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca. Don and his staff will take care of you. We have time to quickly go into the Oilers now injury report. Brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Trent Brown's going to be watching the Elks action tonight in the Golden Bears action tomorrow. Loves both teams. Uh, and he'll be at the Oilers game tomorrow as well. But uh, we will tell you Dylan Holloway, uh, not available, uh, was not at practice today. Philip Broberg, uh, non-contact this week, full contact next week. Expected to return uh, down in Bakersfield. Uh, those are uh, sort of the, the two key updates at this time. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, uh, first we'll hear from Golden Bears coach Ian Herbers and then the coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Luke Pierce. You're listening to Oilers Now.